Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We're in uncharted territory, and it feels like it. In this edition of WCBS 880 In-Depth, a conversation about keeping ourselves and our families safe. It's hard to say that anything is really extreme at this point. I'm Tim Scheld from the WCBS 880 News Team, working on bringing you the best information on the COVID-19 outbreak and efforts to reduce the spread. We're joined in this conversation by Dr. David Hirschwerk, an infectious disease specialist with the Northwell Health System. Northwell, if you don't know it, is the state's biggest health care provider here in New York. They operate about 23 hospitals in our region, handling about 300,000 patients a year. Dr. Hirschwerk works mostly at North Shore University Medical Center and at Long Island Jewish Medical Center. We talked about social distancing at home and at work, but we wanted to start with asking about how those hospitals are holding up. Um, yeah, they are holding up. They are doing a lot to try to uh, deal with the increasing number of patients that we're seeing. Um, we have um, really incredible, dedicated staff um, that have really jumped right in and, and uh, to care for these patients. We've dedicated several units uh, to um, care for these patients and really have uh, limited the staff that are caring for them. So we're trying to cohort patients in one area and that um, will, we hope, help to reduce the spread of a virus within the hospital, which is something that can occur with any infectious disease, but we want to be especially careful uh, with this one. Um, you know, there is concern because of increasing numbers and what that will mean for capacity in the hospital to take care of our patients. So uh, the hospital system has been very mindful of that and eliminated any, um, you know, non-urgent procedures and non-urgent surgery. Um, you know, the problem naturally is that uh, there's not a lot of surgery um, or procedures that um, are not important to have done. And, you know, so we worry about that patient uh, group, but the priority, at least over the next several weeks and perhaps beyond, is to uh, keep as many beds available uh, as we can for those people that really do need it. How does the facility uh, look and feel today uh, compared to how it was a week ago, and how do you anticipate it looking in the weeks ahead? 
Um, I think, you know, the, it, in many ways, it doesn't look very different. I think that the professionals, um, you know, doctors, nurses, and everybody else who works in the hospital is really going about their business, but with, um, you know, an a, a focus on this problem. I think from an administrative standpoint, there's a tremendous amount of work being done uh, to be sure that we're uh, opening up beds, that we are um, working closely with the laboratory and trying to get test results um, as quickly as we possibly can. And that has been a challenge. But you know, if you were to land on a hospital unit, uh, you know, you'd see a lot of activity in in many ways like you always would. Um, I think one of the things that is different is that our critical care units um, are taking care of some very sick people right now. And, um, you know, they're they are being extraordinarily careful with their personal protective equipment that they're using, um, and that's for just about every room, at least in some sections of our critical care uh, spaces in the hospitals. And critical care with relation specifically, specifically to coronavirus? Yes, yeah. yes. So we have sections of our intensive care units that have really been dedicated to taking care of this group of patients. On to social distancing. It's the topic on everyone's mind, and hopefully everyone's taking part. We wanted to hear about best practices. We've had uh, off-air conversations about um, social distancing and that kind of thing, and you know that people are talking all about it now. We know that people are taking it seriously, but we also know that a lot of people have questions about, you know, how can they accomplish this at home now? Most of the schools, if not all schools, are closed. Families are together. Yes, they can go outside. Is there an easy way to give people some coaching on how to accomplish this in a safe way? It's a very hard thing to do. I think that, you know, the concept of um, avoiding gatherings and uh, CDC just put out recommendations to avoid any gatherings of 50 people or more. I mean, that's a high number. You know, the hope really is that, you know, people as much as possible are not in any real groups um, and that uh, if groups of people are together, that they're maintaining a six-foot distance between them. And that's uh, unnatural. It's not something that uh, that people are, are really accustomed to doing, And it, but it's going to take a lot of focus um, and reminding each other to do it. So, I, I, you know, the rule of thumb really is to try to maintain a six-foot distance between each other, um, and really to be mindful that um, even getting together in smaller groups is something that would be discouraged uh, at the moment unless, unless it's just absolutely necessary to do so. I had a conversation with a colleague who took uh, the kids out this weekend to throw the ball around, and the question came up, is that a smart thing to do either within a family or outside a family? I mean, you don't want to... Th- to take the kids out from multiple families, this co-mingling of, of groups to throw a ball with each other, is is that extreme or is that smart? Yeah, I, you know, it's it's hard to say that anything is really extreme at this point. I think that, uh, you know, a, a household that is going to stay together and there's not going to be separation within the household, certainly being together, whether it's in the household or, you know, outside and, and uh, throwing a ball around, that, you know, seems quite reasonable. I think once you start to extend that to other groupings and other families, it really does become a judgment call. And I think you don't want to extend that uh, to too large a group. 
I don't know what the right number is. And I think a lot of that is to come up with um, what seems to really make sense and then take what makes sense and, and maybe even exaggerate what makes sense because we're in unique times. Um, you know, <laughs> taking that ball and being sure that the ball is uh, cleaned after and, and everyone really being sure that they're washing their hands, they're, they're adhering to appropriate cough etiquette and um, that they're not bringing their hands to their face. Um, so I think that that's just how we have to be living, and that's what uh, our communities uh, have to do. I think really our communities in a short period of time have seemed to have gotten beyond, uh, behind that concept. And um, at least, you know, my view of, of the walls beyond the hospital is that I'm seeing uh, people adhering to that. Um, there are some towns that we've seen that have actually even closed public spaces, uh, like parks and things like that, and people are desperate to, to do something. Um, is there wisdom in that? Obviously, curfews are probably a good idea to keep people from gathering uh, at night and, and gathering in large larger groups, right? Yeah, I, I think that we really need to rely upon each other to uh, remind each other um, that this is very serious and we need to be responsible about this. Uh, um, you know, I, I, I guess I don't have much of an opinion about closing spaces. I, I realize that many restaurants and bars have placed significant restrictions and there's going to be more of that. And that does make sense to me. Um, uh, but, you know, people are going to go out. I, I don't think that there's a restriction, per se, of, of being outside. But, again, trying to, if you're going to be outside, trying to maintain a distance between uh, each other and, and really avoiding uh, any direct contact. And then the last topic um, that I'd love to chat with you about is um, there are people who are going to work. Obviously, there's a ton of people that are working remotely. And, and that's a great thing to see. The city is, is um, you know, a, a lot emptier than, it, than it's ever been. But there are people that have to work together. You know, consider police agencies, emergency services, even, you know, folks in our newsroom, even though it's a reduced staff. Any um, advice for people who have to be together uh, based on necessity, emergency, uh, essential personnel kind of thing? Yeah, and so I think you touched on some of the things that have been already uh, taken care of. So people who really don't need to be in the office should not be. Um, I think that there are strategies that um, organizations can adopt, including staggering uh, the times that people are in the office. All of these things are really put forth in an effort to uh, mitigate the amount of direct contact that people have with each other. So whether it's having people work alternate shifts, um, really making efforts to have people work from home. And I think that the other thing to be mindful of is taking uh, individuals who perform very similar tasks um, and who are um, obviously essential to really not have them be in direct contact with each other uh, because you don't want to be in a situation where an organization loses uh, groupings of uh, people either because of infection or even potentially because they uh, need to all be quarantined at the same time. Or uh, So I, I think that that's something that um, organizations can continue to be mindful of. And just to wrap up, would you, can, is there anything that we can do to help you as, as uh, citizens in terms of how you know, we interact with the healthcare system? Obviously, the CDC has guidelines on how and, and when we should contact uh, health care providers. Can you just sort of summarize that for me? 
Yeah, I think that, you know, testing is getting better, um, but it's still challenging um, to get tested. In the hospital is where the priority is for getting the test done. Uh, But even at this point, you know, despite the incredible efforts of our laboratory professionals, um, you know, it's still taking a little bit of time to get test results back. Um, It's getting quicker, um, and we could do more tests each day. uh, But it's still not the turnaround that we are looking forward to getting over the next couple of weeks. So uh, for people who have mild illness, which is going to be the majority of people that develop infection with COVID-19, if they have mild illness, they should really um, just try to care for themselves at home and self-quarantine. A test really is not going to have an impact on any of that. Of course, it would be great to have a test done for anybody who wants it, but the reality is it's just not available at this point. And I think the the push for people who are doing well to try to get the test, um, I think, is, is not going to be successful for them. And it also, I think, interferes with the ability for people who really need to have the test back because they're very sick and in the hospital has the potential to interfere and uh, derail the ability for those people to get the test back in a timely fashion. Any final wisdom for you, doctor? Thank you for uh, taking the time. Anything final from you? Well, I, I do think that we're, we're, we're really working incredibly hard within the walls of the hospital, but um, that just has to be coupled with the expectation uh, in our communities to uh, really adhere to these separation recommendations. They do make a difference, and um, they really are essential, and, and they will help uh, to reduce the volume of people who are simultaneously ill, which is going to be essential to allow space in our hospitals to take care of the people that we want to and need to take care of. Thank you so much for your time and best of luck to you, doctor. Have a good day. Thank you. We normally do the in-depth podcast weekly. We're trying to deliver more content to help provide more information and more context at a time of need, clearly. We'll be back later this week with more for sure. And to make sure that you don't miss it, Just subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Just look for WCBS 880 In-Depth. So stay calm, stay healthy, and let's try to stay together. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.